Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. So last week we talked about uh, discovering God's will for our lives starts with a renewed vision. Uh, Jesus touching our eyes so we can see him and others the way God designed us to see them. Uh, That's what the Bible talks about, being born again, born anew. This week we're going to focus and add to that layer. And here's our big idea. Our focus actually in discovering God's plan for our life, our focus of this whole Imagine series is not the future it's a person. It's a person. I'm going to build that out. Every week I'm sharing with us uh, when I was at a crossroads trying to discern God's plan for our life. And I want to share with you, probably next to coming to Christ, the biggest crossroad I ever faced. See, there was a point in my life uh, where I believe God had called me to uh, live life celibate and to go through life as a single person. Uh, and no, no lying. I'm not lying. There's like a four year period where I wasn't dating, pursuing Christ uh, early in my uh, 20s. And then something happened. I met a woman named Ann Griffith. I didn't just meet her. We were actually set up on a date from an older godly couple and a bunch of friends that knew us well. They just thought we would be a match. And we were. We had so much fun hanging out together and our relationship grew and we came to a crossroads where the only way forward was to get married. We'd reached a level of uh, fun and intimacy where we couldn't go further apart from marriage. And so at that time, I was in my uh, 20s, 25, I had what I called a board of directors, a group of men who were 20 years older than me, 30 years older than me, that we would walk once a month and there'd be a time where they'd speak into my life. So we were in the Marin Headlands, Tennessee Valley to be exact, and we were sitting down, I remember it like yesterday, and I said, guys, I got this question. And they knew about my relationship with Ann. They were so excited about me and Ann. And I said, I have grown to love this woman. And I am wondering, is this it? Would you please speak into my life and help me understand, is this the woman that God's designed for me to spend the rest of my life with? Ann was asking the same question of me. Well, let's put that on hold and jump into the message. Discovering God's plan for our lives, it can be frustrating, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be at all because God is the greatest communicator ever. Listen, the one who spoke the world into existence, he's the same one that wants to dialogue with you and me. And he does, clearly. The one who saves you, he's able to lead you. And you need to know God is not a a reactor. He's a planner. He didn't create us to live without hope and purpose. For from the beginning of time, before the beginning of time, God created plans. Guess for who? For you. Don't take my word for it. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, The word of the Lord came to me saying, listen to this, verse 5, Before I knew you, I'm sorry, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That is mind-blowing. When you come to think of your life, wherever you are right now, God knew about you. Before he said, let there be light, he said, let there be you. 
He can communicate his plan for our life. And that's not easy to understand sometimes, but it's significant. God's plan for us isn't easy. It's for a significant life. That's what I was trying to say. I want to pass it off right now to my friend, Rosalind Justice. She's a PCCer. She wants to speak about this very point, how God's will for our life may not always be easy, but it's significant. Hi, PCC. Rosalind Justice here. I wanted to share with you a lie that I believed to be true for many years, and it always left me feeling really discouraged. And that lie is that God will only give you what you can handle. And the truth is, God gives us things all the time that we can't handle on our own. And he calls us to rely on him for strength. Something I'm still practicing how to do is surrendering control. But I've learned that the more I try to hold tight to things, the more stress and anxiety I feel. And when I do surrender and pray, the Holy Spirit really can grant unthinkable peace. This doesn't mean that every time I pray, God protects me from all evil and pain, but he does promise to be with me always. Bye, guys. Can't wait to see you again. Okay, so I want you to take time and ponder or discuss if you're in a room with people. Uh, here, this, this question, do you believe what we've been saying to this point, that God has a plan for your one and only life? Why or why not? So you need to know, to study for this series, I search the scriptures, I search for every area in the scriptures where it talks about God's will for our lives. And you'd rather, you'd be amazed, it's rather simple. According to the Bible, here's where explicitly it says, this is God's will for your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's seven things. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in everything, rejoice always. Submit to authorities. Avoid sexual immorality. Be saved. Experience salvation through Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This, my friends, is God's will for our lives. Any questions? Let's pray. We're done. No, stop.
Listen, that list is a good list, but it also can be frustrating. Here's why. It seems like God is asking, answering our specific questions with general answers. I mean, you have to ask reading this list. That's great, and it is great. It's life-giving. But isn't God really interested in the details of my life? Like who I should marry? Should I get married? How many kids should we have? These are all questions that Ann and I wrestled with. If you have ever asked, God, what's your plan for my life? I promise you, before this sermon is over, I'm going to answer that question. Lean in, everybody. Here we go. And the answer is found in three and a half sentences in a book called Colossians. So open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to meander through four verses. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. Are you there? Here we go. Paul's writing this letter to a church in Colossae, and he says, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had one of those days where nothing seems to go right? Ever had one of those weeks? It seems like 2020 might be one of those years for many of us. The Colossians were having that type of experience. And Paul, in writing this letter, says, hey, I understand your reality. But here's a spiritual principle to get you through hard times. And he cups their faces and lifts them up. He says, you're gazing at the wrong thing. Don't deny reality, but don't fixate on it. Because reality isn't all there is to see. He goes on. Where do we set our hearts? Where do we set our minds? Look, on things above. Colossians 3, verse 1, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Set on things above, not on earthly things. Listen, don't deny reality, but don't fixate on it. Keep your gaze set above. You need to know as your staff, this is our primary role and pleasure in serving you. To fix our gaze on things above. Where? At the right hand of God. You need to know that the right hand of God shows up in other places in the New Testament. And every time it does, it means this. The center of all power and authority in the universe. That's Paul's point. That when you fixate on who Jesus is, who God is, how Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and how he has all power, all authority, it changes your outlook. My friend, Renee Schlepfer, who's a pastor at Twin Lakes Church, he's spoken to us at PCC. He says this, perception determines your perspective. Perception determines your perspective. In other words, what you perceive determines what you see. I love that. Paul goes on in verse 3, for you died. Now that's interesting because you'd think if we died, no one would need to tell us about that. I've never been to a funeral or a memorial where the dead person had to say, hey, am I dead? Why is, what is Paul getting at? Well, he's getting at what Jesus got at, right? The following Christ, we die to ourself. Jesus said it this way, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way continually take up your cross. The cross was a, a, a terrible uh, aspect of death. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. 
But if you give up my li- your life for me, you'll gain it. That's what Paul's getting at. You came to Christ and you left behind your old life because Jesus is making you new. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. True story. I'm 23 years old. I'm a youth pastor at Marin Covenant Church. And I'm going to call on a woman who just had given birth at uh, the Kaiser Hospital in Marin. I go in to get on the elevator and all of a sudden someone just stop and a gurney gets wheeled in. I'll never forget this. And there's another Marine Covenanter that gets wheeled in with his wife. And it's one of the guys I used to walk with on Tennessee, in Tennessee Valley, the story I opened with. These older men who were pouring into my life. Now one of my mentors is on a gurney. And I'm going, what? I just came to visit a, a woman having a baby. What, what's going on? And uh, Tim's wife looks at me and says, he has four arteries in his heart are clogged. And like they're doing open heart surgery right now. And I'm not lying to you. Tim reaches up and says, Gadeen. He called me Gadeen. Gadeen, I may not make it. And if I don't, take care of my wife. 23 years old. I'm like, what is happening right now? Well, I'm happy to report he made it through the surgery. And, and, and not only did he make it, he came out really, really better than before. His heart was pumping right. And about three or four months later, I don't remember the time, we were on a walk in Tennessee Valley with that group of men. And I'll never forget, I'm like, Tim, it was his first time back. I'm like, how are you doing? And he said, are you kidding me? He said, every day is a gift. I should have died when I saw you on that elevator. I'm living on, I'll never forget this, I'm living on borrowed time. Here's my point. Do you think the things that stressed out and worried Tim pre-surgery were the same things that stressed out and worried Tim (laughs) post-surgery? Not according to Tim. Tim lived with greater joy greater significance, greater freedom, greater abandon to God than he ever did pre-surgery. And he was living pretty significantly pre-surgery. That's what Paul's getting at. See, when you understand that Jesus is who Jesus is and the power he has for your life, when you realize, you know what, I died to those old things, you actually live with new, greater significance. Listen, that's what Paul's getting at. You died You died when Christ, who is your life, appears. That's where he goes. And I want you to look at verse 4, because verse 4, these are the six words that I cannot overstate this. These next six words, in my humble opinion, are six of the most powerful words in the Bible. Yeah, you heard me right. Colossians 3, 4, I believe, contains six of the most powerful words in the Bible. And you will never, never Step in to imagine anything that God has for your life if you don't get this concept. That's pretty bold. Let's back it up. Here we go. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life. There it is. When Christ, who is your life. What does that mean? Let's go back to our question. We're asking in this series, God, what is your plan for my life? Here's God's answer. I am your life. I am your life. See, the reason we think God is silent more than he's vocal is because here's what we've done. We've compartmentalized God. We keep him in a little corner as opposed to coming to Christ for life. 
Yeah, brace yourself because I've got graphics. You're going to see me at my best. This is my keynote for us, my PowerPoint. Here we go. How many like pizza out there? Here's the pizza of life. Okay, this is what a lot of us do with life and you're compartmentalizing, could, your slices could be different slices, but maybe you're a student, you have a school slice, or you're an adult and you have your work slice, or you have your relationship slice, and then really bordered off and it's either thin or wider depending on whatever, you have your Jesus slice. Maybe Jesus just gets an hour on Sunday, maybe Jesus gets 10 minutes in the morning. I don't know what it is, but at some point you say to Jesus, stay within your slice. And then Colossians 3 verse 4 says, when Christ who is your life. In other words, you know what Jesus wants to do? You know why Jesus came to earth? Not to be a slice. He came to earth to take over the whole pie so that he would permeate into your school life. He'd permeate into your work life. He'd permeate into your relationship life. He'd even permeate into your screen life, everybody, and what you're choosing to fix your eyes on when it comes to media. Jesus wants to be your life. That's what Paul's saying. God loves you too much just to be a component of your life. Listen, when Christ is your life, here's what happens. The focus of our lives is not the future. You know what Jesus wants our focus to be? A person. He wants our focus to be Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus, you know what happens? He leads us into the future that he has designed for us. A future so vast, so significant, it would blow our minds. And remember what Rosalind said, it's not easy, but it's significant. Friends, that's how you find God's will for your life. Listen, God's will for our lives isn't just to get to a place. God's will for our lives, you ready, is to become Christ-like. To become Christ-like, to follow Him as He journeys with us and takes us to the places that He wants us to be. You begin to answer the question, God, what should I do with my life? With the answer of Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is your life, listen, that's when life becomes an adventure. Now, we're going to give you tools. I told you we have this tool, and it's actually on the resource page. Go to it, the fourfold leadings of God. Uh, and and I, I want you to access that, but I, I just want you to hold off on that. We're going to get to that in the rest of the series. For right now, I just want to drive the point home that uh, the focus of finding God's will for our life is not the future. It's a person. It's a person. And here's the promise. When our focus isn't consumed with the future, when our focus is set on Jesus in Hebrews 12, one to two way, fix your eyes on Jesus way, he promises He'll lead us to the future. I am telling you, 40 years of walking with Jesus, uh, 38 years of walking with Jesus, this has been the story. When I focused on Him, He gets me to the future. That's the story of PCC. When this church is focused and centered on Jesus, He takes us in the future. And we believe He's going to do that as we're in this discernment process together. So as we wrap this up, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, uh, look, Jesus, that's great. Focus on Jesus. Fantastic. And it is great. But you're thinking, I've got some big decisions looming out there. 
I mean, I need to know some things pretty soon, and we're going to deal with that in the coming weeks. I promise you. As a matter of fact, it's online right now on the resource page, the fourfold leadings of Christ. But listen, until fundamentally, until we understand fundamentally that God's will for our lives is to, uh, is, is to understand that Jesus is our life. Until we understand that and have that as a core conviction, we're never going to fully live into who God wants us to be. So that opening story of being in Tennessee Valley, those guys that day, to a man, said, Are you kidding me? Should you marry Ann Griffith? It's not going to get any better than that for you, man. You are so far out of your league with her. Marry that woman. And we learned early on in our relationship to keep Christ central in our relationship. Now, look, we've uh, we've sinned and Christ has gone to different margins of our relationships. I don't want to say we're the perfect couple. But uh, in the process of keeping Christ central, oh, the adventure he's led us on. But here's where I want to take you. Fast forward from that day to our wedding day. We're in Ross, California, and we're on the altar. And I forget what song is playing, but it's that moment where the bride and groom are talking to each other. I woke up that morning and on my mind was Psalm 84:11. I don't know why, but God just put that on my mind. And the key aspect of it is this. No good thing does he, God, withhold from those who walk uprightly, or those who walk, I would say in our vernacular, centered on God. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 84, 11. So we're on the altar, and I, I'd just been thinking about that. That morning I was mountain biking in Tennessee Valley with my friends, and here's all my mentors, my parents, my family. Here's my bride, I'm going, this is as good as it gets. This is no good thing, are you withholding? And I just said to Anne, I'm like, hey, do you know what Psalm 84:11 says? And my radiant bride looks at me and says, what? And I said, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And Anne points to my wedding ring, this one. And she says, I actually had that verse engraved on the inside of your wedding ring. I was blown away. How did she know? God told her the same thing months ahead. And that's where I want to leave you. You heard it from Rosalind. We've seen it in the Word of God. Now hear it from me too. When you center your life on Jesus, when you make Him the focus for His will for your life, He will lead you to significant places. Not easy places. Very hard places. Supernatural places. You're going to need His strength, like Rosalind said. But no good thing will He withhold when you pursue Christ. Now, having said all that, I have one homework assignment for us this week. It's simple, but it's not easy. Will you, for the next seven days till we're together again, will you simply prioritize your relationship with Jesus? What does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) I know what it means for me, but will you prioritize your relationship with Christ? It certainly will mean hanging out in the Gospels. It's uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and, and reading about this Jesus. It certainly will mean having conversations with Jesus. It certainly will mean asking Him, like we learned last week, hey, will you renew my vision of who you are? It certainly will mean asking the Holy Spirit, are there areas in my life that are blocking 
my relationship with Jesus? It certainly will mean, Jesus, will you take me from living this kind of life to living this kind of life? Will you be central in every area of my life? When you focus, when you shift your focus from your future to your Savior, you're setting your mind and your heart on things above. And here's what's gonna happen, okay? And we're gonna close with this, but don't miss this, please. You miss this, you miss the whole message. Here's what's gonna happen. Your question will change from, God, what should I do with my life? You ready? To, God, what should I do with, you ready? Your life. God, what should I do with your life in me? Because now, according to Colossians 3, 4, Jesus, you are my life. So the question is no longer mine, it's yours. I'm yours. So God, what do you want to do with this one and only life? Do you see the difference? It's simple but profound, and it will change your life. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.